It's a pleasure to be here. I'm also from Los Angeles, I might add, but I've grown up on the last 25 years in a beautiful place called Cape Cod. I have no idea what I'm going to say, other than I'm really having a great time and I look forward to the Monet exhibit and the things that lie ahead and listening to everyone else. I've listened to all the talks and they've said everything I would say. And there's so much of it that is a common pattern in success, but I might add a few other comments, particularly after listening to George. When I grew up, I had my George Lucas. Uh, it was not in the form of uh, E.T., although you see it, or R2-D2, as you see us with our little J.J., which was certainly a Lucas influence on the Titanic expedition. I had Jules Verne, and I grew up wanting to be Captain Nemo. And I always wanted to be Captain Nemo. And I always wanted to be an explorer and go beneath the sea and see and in the uh, true spirit of Star Trek to go where no one had ever gone before. And that's what's so neat about our planet is most of it is still unexplored. I go beneath the sea every, every year for several months and I look at things that no one has ever seen before. And it's really neat. <laughs> And many times I have no idea what I'm going to find. Can you imagine exploring a mountain range off the Galapagos Islands and working on fresh lava flows in an area that looks as primeval as the surface of Mars and turning the corner and there are a cluster of worms eight feet tall. I don't think Lucas could ever dream up worms that are eight feet tall that when you cut them they bleed human-like blood because they have a hemoglobin in their tissue. And they're the first major ecosystem on our planet that lives independent of the sun. We didn't think that was possible until we discovered these weird creatures who don't live off the sun's energy but live off the very energy of the earth itself, living in total darkness, able to replicate the process of photosynthesis in the dark chemically through chemosynthesis. Wow, that was pretty neat. <laughs> None of us ever thought that could go on. You know, you have to understand that there's a saying that I try to remember, uh, remind my graduate students of is they're pretty intense at times, you know. And I say, you know, it's by logic that you prove, but it's by intuition that you discover. And I think the intuitive process... The intuitive process is so important. So much of life is serendipitous. You Sometimes you're smart enough to get close so you can trip over the obvious. And I do a lot of that in the deep sea, and it's really fun. Another thing that I, I would just leave you with, I know we want to eat, and I want to answer your questions. don't want to cut you off. But I think of life very much as an epic journey, and I think that what's so exciting about Star Wars and Indiana Jones and, and Voyage to the Center of the Earth and, and all the things uh, that have affected us through, the, through time is the journey itself. I mean, as, if you've ever get a book called Power of Myth, read it. Bill Moyer's interview of Joseph Campbell before he died, and he said that life is the act of becoming, not arriving, the act of becoming People climb mountains not for the view. They only stay up there a couple minutes. They climb the mountain for the act of climbing, the act of becoming. 
And I think the important thing is pick a big mountain. You know, if you fall off a mountain 100 feet tall and break your neck, you're just as dead as if you fall off one 10,000 feet tall. You know? I can rattle off so many things that were already said. Risk-taking. I, would, I wouldn't be here if I didn't take risks. Calculated risks, not dumb risks. Don't ever take a dumb risk. But take calculated risks and then go for it. It's just as hard to do a simple thing as it is to do a difficult thing. You get up in the morning, you go to bed at night, and it's what you do in between. And we all do things in between, and you just need to challenge yourself and develop that confidence in yourself. There isn't a person that you've heard today that tried to mimic someone else. You're achievers, and you're successful because you found in yourself. Anytime you replicate someone, the best you can be is second best. And there's no second best in this room. And it's because people found themselves. You are going through probably the narrowest evaluation of your time. High school is the narrowest gauntlet that you'll ever run. It's so narrowly defined. How'd you do in math? You know, how'd you do in this and that? You only ask about nine questions, you know? <laughs> And life is an infinite number of possibilities. And you've been told for years what's wrong with you. you know, you're dumb or something like that. I think all people are born scientists, inquisitive, wondering, and then sort of pounded out of them by the ninth grade. And, and the point is, is that I just didn't let them pound it out of me. They tried. I was told I was dumb a lot as I grew up, you know. And, but finally, I looked in the mirror one day, and I said, well, I sort of like that individual. And I sort of came to grips with that person. And I think all of you have to do that. You have to like yourself. And then find what that little kernel is that you love, and then polish it till it shines, and success will follow. Thank you very much. My name is Tracy Clark. I'm from Indianapolis, Indiana. And when you discovered the Titanic, there was a lot of controversy about what should happen to the artifacts that were found. What is your personal opinion as to that? Well, you know, people said, what was it like to uh, be, be down there? And it's very hard because I thought of how many, you know, how many analogies, what other experiences could I think of that had the same power of being down there? It was very powerful down there. And... The experience I remember most was going to Gettysburg. Have you ever been to Gettysburg? If you don't, haven't been there, you gotta go. Because it's just a place you gotta go. <laughs> and my family arrived here a few years ago, about 300 years ago, 365 years ago actually. They a lot arrived in, in Virginia and they walked across the United States and my father was the first to get to the West Coast and I just kept walking. And that's why I'm an oceanographer. But anyway, my family were on both sides of the battle at Gettysburg. There were the Massachusetts Ballards and the Virginia Ballards. And I went there. I'd never been there, and I wasn't ex expecting a whole lot other than, you know, a battlefield. But they had a little model, and you went in this room, and they told you all about the battle and the little round top and big round top and all that. And you sort of start to get into it. And I walked out onto the battlefield. And it's still there. And I walked along, and there was little trees, and there was a little sign about that big. And it was in white, and it said, High Water Mark of the Confederacy. And it was the 
furthest most northern line of latitude that the Confederate Army advanced into the Union, and it was Pickett's Charge, where these people just ran across this field and just got slaughtered, just mowed down by the Union forces who were well entrenched. And that sign was where the last Confederate soldier dropped. And it blows you away. I mean, it just tears your heart out. And that's how you feel on the Titanic. And, you know, there's, you know, no one has the right to pick up a shoe that was on someone's foot. No one has a right to pick up the, the valuables that were in their pockets. It's like taking a belt buckle off of someone on the Arizona. These are, this was a tremendous tragedy, a, a very critical point in human history, and no one has the right to touch those sites. And Mother Nature had preserved it so beautifully, and we left it the way we found it. And it's not gone. We found it. It's not, you know, you don't have to go look for it again. I have 2,000 satellite fixes on the spot. <laughs> you know, it's not going to go away. And with the technology that we now have, we have the ability to travel places we never thought we could travel before electronically and visit the Titanic with the little JJs of the future. We're going to have to do it that way anyway. There are 5.2 billion people on this planet, 8 billion by the end of the next century, maybe stabilizing at 13. Big, heavy-duty numbers. And Americans, Americans, and this is your challenge. I get real mad if you don't take it up. You're 5% of the world's population. You put out 28% of the carbon dioxide. You consume 40% of the world's energy budget. Your model is does not work. Okay? And you've got to come up with a better way of enjoying this planet than stomping on it with our feet. I listened to Stefan yesterday. I, I know the Earth will recover in 10 million years. Frankly, Scarlett, I don't give a damn. I'm worried about the next 10. <laughs> you know? my, grandmother, um, I, my grandmother told me one thing I'll always remember. She said, leave it better than you found it. Okay? Leave this planet better than you found it. And that's why I left it alone, because it couldn't have been better than the way I found it. Thank you. I was wondering uh, what you have planned next. Are you going to go find Jimmy Hoffa or something? <laughs> I thought he was in Yankee what? Stadium. Or where is he supposed to be in Yankee Stadium? God rest his soul. <laughs> or something to that effect. Anyway. What do you um, do after you find the Titanic? Well, we're, we're, you know, life's a big adventure, and uh, there's so much to do. We know more about the mountain ranges of Mars and the mountains beneath the sea, so there's plenty to do. Don't let you think, don't let the world tell you that the last frontier is space. It's this planet, and uh, so much is to be done. My goal right now is to work with young people and show them that science is a great adventure. It is. See, you know, I played college basketball. I wasn't so hot, but I played college basketball. Even if I was hot, you know, I watched Larry Bird. What's Larry Bird's 30-something? You know, he's, you know, you know, his basketball days are on the wane. Uh, you know, you're only good for so many, you know, years in a game like that. But you play science for life. You know, you learn how to play that sport and get to play it 
until they put you in. And that's what's so exciting is the ability to do science. And the thing, we all dream and we want to live our dreams. And the beauty of taking physics is then you dream possible dreams because you're constrained by the laws of the universe. We all dream, just a lot of people come up with real weird ones that you can't physically do. And by learning physics, I dreamed real dreams. And so what I really want to do is to show young people that science is a great adventure and it's something that you can have a lot of fun with. I have a lot of fun with it, and I'm going to have fun with it when all those basketball players and football players are doing something else. I'm still going to be doing my thing. Thank you.